listeners, hello friends, hello Patreons. Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It, the Roswell 1999 edition. I am one of your co-hosts, Emily, and I should be working on my book. My name is Megan. I should be writing Star Wars fan fiction. But instead... Instead... We're making a podcast! We're making a podcast. Yes! Welcome back, everybody. We just finished watching Roswell Season 3, Episode 15, Who Died and Made You King. Megan, I want to hear your reaction to it. I didn't like this episode. I know, like, I'm sorry. Like, it was all... It was... I was just annoyed by everything every single character did. You know, last episode was pretty good, pretty well written, and this one was just a miss for me. I will say I enjoyed this episode. It's not one of my top favorites, but I feel that they fell into the trap of here's a really big, cool idea that we're going to introduce and solve in 20 minutes because we have so much, so many storylines going on. Uh, oh, brief overview of the episode is uh, because Max died, apparently uh, Michael was, the way Liz and Maria put it, he was coded to become the next king if Max died so that there would be a leader. It's, so uh, It's Buffy rules. Buffy rules. So Michael becomes the leader but becomes a dick about it. <laughs> Did, okay, is this proof that, like, Max is the way he is because of his alien programming? I would have loved if Liz was like, you're so sweet, you're so thoughtful, you're so nice right now. And and then he gets the powers back and he's terrible again. Because they never specifically say that's what's going on, but, but I think that's the way you and I viewed this, is that the king, the leadership, heavy is the head that wears the crown pushes michael to be more impulsive more aggressive yeah like and i wish it had been clearer stated more much more clearly i would disagree i think this episode explicitly states that this is why michael is acting this way we find out jesse has been talking to a therapist and instead of telling the therapist hey my brother-in-law wife and their friend are aliens he coaches it in hey my brother-in-law and friends, they work for the mob just so he can he can talk a little freer. And at one point, Michael decides the way to fix this is to go and threaten the therapist's life. And it just, it was Michael's season, it was season one Michael, where season one Michael wanted to kill everybody all the time. And this would have been, I think, a really, a much better, a much better storyline if it had been stretched out, this was, this was yeah. a, it felt like a filler episode where like stuff happens, but nothing happens, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it would have been interesting to have seen this post Max and Tess, yeah. um, to have something happen to Max and have Michael step up and have him say, it's because you betrayed everybody. You did all these things. You're no longer able to be ruler and find out maybe a few episodes later that the V, the magical V mark has shown up on Michael. Yeah. Um, did, okay. Uh, we, did we see this magical V mark when Max went to New York? 
Like, that's what I could think. Because he's like, I had to prove that I was the, I was the king. But I swear the guy did something to Max's head and, like, shined it through his head. Yeah. And so, like, as, like, a crown, like, a literal crown mark or whatever. But Michael's was over his heart. So. Listen, it was, it was, it was not consistent. That's for sure. But also, why didn't one of the dupes get a V after Zan got murdered? Because Zan didn't have the mark. Okay, that's fine. That's the whole reason that they wanted to get Max to come to the summit. Because, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I didn't care about this episode. And also, they reintroduced the FBI only to solve that immediately. Yeah. The FBI was such a huge antagonist in season one and two like they were scary and at this point they're just showing up like a pop-up store Mm -hmm. with no backup with no teeth with no nothing so like they're a nothing threat yeah and uh, again it (gasps) i'm sorry megan i'm sorry you don't like it i'm right three episodes left Three episodes left. They've just, they've not done anything interesting with any of the concepts they've ever introduced, ever. Yeah. It, this is definitely, this season is definitely a one and done, uh, like, episode saga. Mm -hmm. Where stuff does not matter from episode to episode. We spent, we spent over half of the season threatening Liz to go to boarding school. She goes for one episode and is back immediately. Not only that, she goes and she's back because she tells her dad she didn't like it there. Dad did not follow up or investigate in any way. But then also Max Evans's dad is like in their business about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesse has found out that is still that is still an issue. He's found out that they're aliens. Uh, this whole episode is an issue because he's talking to somebody else about it. Um, he's being careful about it, but then Michael kind of makes it an issue. <gasps> Michael By the end is of it, so stupid. Wait, we have to talk about so how Michael stupid. made this an issue. Michael okay. goes into the therapist's office. He slams mm-hmm. the therapist's face down on the desk and says, you've been investigating. Does it make you feel like a big man hearing other people's secrets? Does it give you a sense of power? Drop Jesse as a client right now. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the guy immediately calls the police. Immediately, But I, okay, here's the thing. I feel, I say, I feel bad for Michael. That's not what I mean. But like, if it's true, which I think it really is. But if it's true that when you become the leader of the aliens, you're like coded to like protect everyone. Mm-hmm. But like Michael was coded to be like the bodyguard for everyone and to take out threats. So I'm wondering if that aspect of him got like turned up where he's like this therapist is a threat Hmm. and that's the only way his brain can see it or if this is the king mantleship Hmm. like coming Hmm. out to play Hmm. i just like thinking of like what other kind of different scenarios could be happening as well hey i made the chamberlain noise and now i've remembered to ask you this did you and i watch the dark crystal together yes we did think dilly would want to watch it with us <laughs> okay. I think so. it's a good one 
maybe after Arcane and Hannibal yeah. and Haikyuu yeah. and well, she's Mob not Psycho 100. And she's not watching Haikyuu. She's not watching Mob Psycho. Yeah, this is interesting. The idea of being coded, being... Because the, this has been brought up before. Well, I guess the whole the whole idea is with the hybrids, they were they were like, you are part of the royal four, like like they're clones of them. But do they ever get into like this is your personality? Like you've been infused with the personality of each one, like they have the memories of each one. But does that make them the clones? And then we have the the movie producer who was coded who was programmed to do anything that was asked of him yeah do you think he's ever coming back i mean listen if max had treated me the way that he treated the movie producer i wouldn't go i would stay as far away from max evans as possible because now that the movie producer tried to transform back into the alien he lost everything he'd worked towards so like it's worse yeah if that makes sense. Yes. Um, it does. Sorry, I'm really it getting is. into this. <laughs> uh, we were saying at one point, because eventually what what Max does is able to like burn off the mark from Michael's heart area, shoulder, and take it back into himself. But at one point, the idea was thrown around that, are we going to kill Michael to give the mark back to Max? And I was like, I think that if they had done that, the mark should have gone to Isabel, which I think is stupid because she's she's directly the she's blood related to the king. Yeah, Michael's not blood related. It should have gone to freaking Isabel. It should have gone to freaking Isabel, Emily. Isabel gets the short straw in everything, and I'm very upset about this. Not only that, but like. The end of this episode where Isabel was crying about like, let's leave. Let's just leave. Let's just go. And Jesse's like, no, I killed a man that, that changes me forever. And uh, you guys, Isabel's was, killed people before. I was She's fine for Jesse to die. And I was actually oh. very disappointed at the end of this episode that he lived. I think it's so funny because like I, I disagree with you on that. I think it's funny that both of us have like such different takes on this mm-hmm. i i like scenes like i really enjoyed watching maria at the beginning of season one try to come to terms with everything and and it's been long enough that like our human friends have been in on this we've got kyle we've got liz we had alex we have the sheriff we have everyone who's like cool with this and it's i think it's interesting to see someone who is not having an easy time with this, who is not doing well, who is trying to wrap their brains around. And you know what? Maybe it's because he's an adult and he's just like, this shouldn't be happening. Eh. But I, I don't feel that it's, that it's useless drama. I feel that this is very normal for someone to find out something like this and need the time to come to terms with it. And, like, he went to therapy. That's really helpful. Like, he's yeah. trying to work stuff out. Um, so are you... <sighs> My question for you is, do you just not like Jesse as a character? Do you not like Jesse as a plot device? Like, yes. I do not care about Jesse 
They just like introduced him in the last season as like Isabel's love interest. I don't care about him as a person. I'm not invested in him at all. And we've been dedicating a disproportionate amount to the back half of our season on someone who I don't consider a main character. Okay. Would do you feel you would have liked him better if he was younger, like a college age dude that is? I would have liked him better if we had met him before season three. Got it. Got it. That's interesting. I, I like him more now. I feel like the first half of the season, he is a very, he's a, he's a real static character where he's just an obstacle for everything. Uh-huh. And I'm finding him much more interesting now that he's in the know and he has to navigate in our character's world. I like seeing those stumbling blocks that are coming his way that our other characters have already overcome. And so I can see why that might be boring to some viewers of just like, oh, we've seen Liz do this. We've seen Maria do this. We've seen Kyle do this. We've seen everybody do this. But I like that he has kind of a different twist to it where that it wasn't like Maria didn't have a relationship with Michael when they found this out. Kyle didn't have a relationship with any of the aliens when he found this out. Valenti knew about the kids before he found this out. But to have Jesse, who is who has married this person and his world has turned upside down. I, I like it. Mm. That's fine. That's fine. I wonder, I honestly wonder if I had, and listen, I apologize. I honestly wonder if I'd seen all of season three, if I would have made you watch it or if I just would have stopped at the end of season two and been like, don't worry about what happens in season three. If you had done a, a watch list of like, instead of watching all 60 episodes, we had had maybe like a set of 30 episodes total that we watched. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll never know. I'm enjoying, we'll I'm enjoying my I time spending them. it with you, but I'm sorry that you don't like it. I'm so sorry. We only have three episodes left. Uh, we're never going to finish. So <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll go, th- we'll go kind of more through Jesse's storyline first, where once Michael does his faux pas about, threatening the therapist uh, and the therapist calls the police he goes let me talk to the police no let me talk to the fbi because the mob's involved and here's here's the question i'm in therapy but i don't know all the therapy rules because jesse asks at the beginning he's like because he said oh they're involved with the mob do you have to report the stuff i say and the therapist is like if you're not in danger or you don't know like if they're not harming you or you don't know of any plans for them to harm anyone he's not going to tell anybody but i mean he definitely the therapist did what was right in calling the authorities once he was pretty sure that you you have doctor patient confidentiality unless you have knowledge of a crime about to be committed or a crime that's been committed Mm -hmm. um and i think michael threatening him absolutely counted as a crime being committed yeah yeah um but jesse is wanting to get out of town tells isabel he wants to get out of town it oh jesse has left the house at this point he's living oh yeah in a hotel. jesse almost dumped isabel and ran away like a baby <laughs> he's having dreams where he 
like Isabel kisses him and he dreams it like envelops him in a cocoon or whatever, which is similar she to is what She is casually using her powers to do her makeup and he judges her so hard for it. Yeah, I was I was kind of mad about that. But I think I think that was maybe a realization for him about just how easy it is for her to do what she does. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know that. And so that's kind of what's going on. And listen, I also get where he's coming from because remember when his friend was in town and his friend was like, your wife's an alien. And Isabel tries so hard to like divert all of that attention away from herself. Like that would be hurtful to me to learn someone like flat out lied to me like that. Okay. But like all the humans want to kill the aliens. The FBI tries to kill people again. So like, Mm -hmm. You can't just say lying is wrong when they're lying literally to protect their lives. Yeah. Here, this was, I remember my, something I was mad about that they weren't telling Jesse at the beginning because he was getting put in danger all the time by not knowing. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, you do have that. Now he is the danger. You do have the chance of, hey, we tell you, hey, your fiance is an alien. There's every chance that this dude's going to run away and tell somebody. So like, it's just, it's a hard, it's a hard situation to be in. So, um, listeners, I'm not promising this. I know we've talked about it, but I'm not promising this at all. One day we may watch Roswell, New Mexico. One day. Megan, do you think Jesse is in Roswell, New Mexico, or do you think they're only going to stick with the original? I don't know. I, I don't know. I hope not. You hope not. Okay. If Jesse is in Roswell, New Mexico, you hope he's not. (laughs) That's a terrible way to say it. If Roswell, New Mexico exists, I hope he's not in it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, But Jesse is kidnapped by the FBI, who turns out to be a member of the special force unit that's still going, which... We haven't seen really since the middle, the beginning of season two, like they've been in nothing that we thought that that threat was done and finished and gone. But no, we have special agent Burns who is telling Jesse that your brother-in-law is an alien and obviously your wife is an alien and we have all these suspicions about Michael Guerin and all of these things and we want you to be a part of this and to help your country and... Blah, 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 blah. And, like, it was so frustrating because this guy was supposed to be the big scary dude. And he's just a generic cookie cutter. He even looks like Agent Pierce. Like, there was nothing to make him stand out. Mm-hmm. Megan, if you were if you were directing this and you couldn't change any of the script, they were just like, no. here's what you had to do. How would you direct this to make him either stand out or to like what what would you do what 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 would you do i don't think there's anything to do okay if i can't no he's just a random white guy fbi agent so i say what would you would you change his race i would say no to this job i'm not even kidding (laughs) i would not want to direct on this show Mm -hmm. i i seriously i have nothing i Hated watching this episode. I was just annoyed by it from start to finish. I'm sorry. You didn't write it? I 
I was pissed that they introduced, hey, the FBI are back. Just kidding. They're not even a problem. Oh, my gosh. Michael Guerin's going off the deep end because the kingship has been transferred. What does that mean? Oh, never mind. It's been fixed by the end of the episode. Like, we've only got three episodes left. Now is the time to start overarching things. And I'm so pissed off that Tess is going to show back up at the very, very end of the season having done absolutely nothing. Absolutely, like this show has just been spinning its wheels on nothing for fourteen episodes now, and ever like, ugh! and I just got annoyed because I'm really mad about the Max Max's dad's storyline, and I was just going. so annoyed about so much of it in this in this episode as well. I think the big thing is there are no stakes in this season. Yeah. Like, Max, don't you have a son somewhere that you're worried about? But but he tried to go home for five seconds and it didn't work, so we can't ever try again. We have an alien contact, but because the alien contact couldn't help us get home, they're useless and we can't talk to them ever again. Uh, you know, we have we have all this stuff from the FBI, all of this evidence that they've gathered honest but let's burn it and not look through it and not see if there's anything that can help us yeah boo and so yeah max and liz are back together i'm not worried about them even a little bit what else is there so um at one point at one point uh we find out michael has gone to the so remember they buried everything in the desert and then they went and unburied it and then put it in a bank safety security deposit box. Michael has gone back and pulled it all out. So it's like the alien egg babies that we had from like season one, episode 17. I think it was crazy. That one, they killed Toby from yeah. the West wing. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have the book um, that they pull out and Meg's like don't you have this memorized by now I'm like yeah especially because Alex gave his life to do the translation yeah. you think they know that Michael doesn't even open the book he just looks at the book there's the picture of the constellation on the front and he goes this means I'm king like because he has noticed that this uh this is glowing on his chest there's just no lead up and listen I don't know if I don't know if they were planning on a se- on a second season after this, and then they were told, "No, we're not getting one." So here, shove all the cool storylines in at the very end, so we can have some semblance of whatever. But it's not written well. Sorry. And again, I don't know what was going on. I don't know who is in charge of this. I don't know if this is the writers just doing the best they can. I don't know if this is an executive producer who's never written anything before, who's just like throw all this cool stuff in there and see what happens. Like it's, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. Well, I, okay. If we, I, I'm not saying forget about what happened to Isabel, that she should have been the next in line. I'm not saying forget that, but I am saying I did like this episode because she gets to show how capable she is when the FBI are involved again, and Jesse brings her to the FBI headquarters, which there are. This is the one thing I was irrationally angry at the whole episode is any place they went. I'm like, where are the security cameras? You yeah. guys are just using alien powers on the open. No, like just 
anytime. Anyways, I was just like, I was, I was upset about that. I agree. I was also upset about that. They, they, their, their body getting rid of technique, not good. <laughs> so Jesse, uh, we find out when they, when they go, he brings Isabel to the FBI place because the FBI is like, you need to work with us. But we find out that they bugged Jesse's briefcase. Of course they did. And he brings Isabel to the evidence and he's like, burn it or get rid of it. And she's like, cool, can do. And then he goes and confronts the one FBI agent that's there with no backup. And the FBI agent threatens him, obviously. Jesse shoots him in self-defense with Jesse's own gun, which Isabel didn't know that he had. Yeah, none of us knew he had a gun. Did any of us know he Maybe had a gun? Maybe there's hidden depths. There's hidden depths to our friend Jesse. That's not... That's not how hidden depths work. <laughs> so they have a body to get rid of. And they put it in the trunk of a car. They drive it to a junkyard. And I was disappointed in this because Isabel does something to the body, but we don't know what. We're just led to assume that she's taking care of it. And I think that's another thing we were talking about. We don't get to see the visions of Max's son. the A lot of stuff that happens, the audience has to imagine themselves. And like, I get trying to give your audience the power to kind of like put their own spin on it. But there's some things that we need to know as an audience. Did she disintegrate the body? Did she... Did she change the DNA? Because like... She changed the DNA to you, like an if, animal or something. If you change the face... They can still test the DNA because how can I break it to you, Isabel? Bodies lose their faces after a while. The the faces rot off. <laughs> but you can get more information from them after <laughs> their face is gone. Yeah. Well, you think back to the end of season one, beginning of season two, where they bury the body out in the desert and they change, they end up having to change the bones to be older than what Pierce's body would have read when oh, they, yeah. you know, to test it. Mm -hmm. Oh. Mm -hmm. But I wanted a little explanation. I just didn't want like, I mean, maybe they were trying to make it some like, here's like the music that comes over the scene and it's supposed to be this great scene together with a husband and wife. Hiding a body. Do you want to hide a body? It doesn't have to be in one piece. <laughs> uh, but she does something to it. There's a bright light. Jesse can't look at it. And then they go ahead and smush the car. And when they bring the gun home, he's just like, I used my own gun. Like if they trace that they they're going to trace it back to me. And she takes the gun, puts it in a frying pan and melts the gun into the frying pan and was like, done, it's taken care of. And I liked this scene. I liked uh -huh. this scene showing of Isabel showing I'm not just an 18 year old teenager. I've lived a life, Jesse, and I can take care of myself. Literally no man in this universe believes that Isabel Evans can do a damn thing. Yeah. Which is awful. Justice for Isabel Evans's character. Somehow. In three episodes. No, her husband is going to be like, I was wrong, I've always loved you. And then she just gets her happily ever after. Boo. 
So boring. So nothing. What a waste of an interesting character that wanted more for herself in season one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I think out of everything this is me going on a going on a rampage. Come on in. Rampage, baby. They've cut all the female characters. Yeah. Liz is doing nothing. Maria is doing next to nothing. Isabel got relegated out to a 50s housewife. Amy DeLuca, not there anymore. Haven't even seen Liz's mom. They've like cut all the women out of this show. And it's all about Max and how much he's suffering and how we should all feel bad for him. I do not care. I do not care, Cheryl. Yeah, I was, that makes me really sad because like Liz has been like the focus, the focal character for seasons one and two. You know, she was the audience's human tie-in and she's just hasn't been in season three hardly at all. And I don't know if this was a scheduling conflict or if this is just something that the writers came up with, but <sighs> it's sad. It's a big, sad mess. It's sad. Yep. Well, three episodes left. Three episodes left. I'm trying to think how I would have rewritten this. I think I would have made Isabel be in charge and not given it back to Max. Max has had his time to shine. He failed. I think Isabel should have been in charge and got to keep it and not and succumbed to the... to the. Yeah. I would have had the powers transfer, but I would not have made it a mania. Yeah. Like, I like that Max lost his special magic precious king powers. It would have been nice if... Uh, this could have been a win for Michael instead of a corrupt him down the dark side of evil. Although this is what you wanted at the beginning of of okay, but it wasn't like a real schism, right? It was like he got magically hit with a whammy that made him evil for thirty seconds, and it wasn't a sincere. Hey, you've always treated me like garbage, and I don't think you're making Mm -hmm. the right choices. You know? Yeah. This could okay. If they, even if they kept everything, this could have been a very emotionally resonant episode. If Michael had been allowed to address those very valid concerns that you just brought Mm -hmm. up of, you know, we talked about Michael being in a bad foster situation. Max, this whole season, going off and doing crazy stuff like getting arrested and no one knows that Max tried to leave Earth. Yeah, yeah. No one knows what Max did in California. Yeah. And I think this could have been a really good time to address that and to have a to have a serious conflict rather than them just beating each other up. They could have talked it out, but the way that they they made it was just Michael can't handle the mantle of power, so it needs yeah. to be removed from him. Plus, they accepted very easily, like, oh, maybe I'll have to kill Michael to get the power back. It'll be fine. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, maybe there should have been more anguish to that decision, where, like, the only way to stop Michael would have been, like, okay, they just treated it as such, like, a nothing that'll get fixed so easily. What if they had to deal with, we will have to kill Michael in order to stop him? And, like, maybe mm-hmm. Max can heal him when he gets his powers back, but there's no guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the scene that really convinced me, I know I was I was kind of 
playing devil's advocate earlier, but I think the scene that really convinced me that Michael was being overcome by something outside of himself was the conversation he had with Maria in the car about Mm -hmm. if a human finds out and a human decides not to keep the secret, we're going to kill him or no human should know at all. And she's like, well, you're talking about me. And he just looks at her like, yeah, yeah, you should die. But he had a really good point at one point, which was, Maria, I stayed on Earth for you and you dumped me. Yeah. Like twice. Multiple twices. Multiple times. This had a good... This this episode had potential. And they went the safe route. The safe, quick, fast, and easy route. Boring. Yeah. The boring route. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I wish this would have come in sooner. Uh, we could have gotten rid of some of the stuff in the, in the middle of the season. This would have come in sooner. I would have I liked wish- to have seen Michael... Do this for a couple episodes. Yeah. I wish this would have happened at the beginning of this. I wish Max would have died near the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Michael is king of the aliens for the last season. And things have never been better with Max and Liz. And it we it turns out it's because being king of the aliens makes you a horrible person. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're going to get it at all. And this has never really been brought up. But the idea that we don't have to be the royal four. We don't have to do the stuff Mm -hmm. that people sent us here to do. Like, they don't really have any memories of their homes. Like, were the aliens hoping that they just come back, get the royal four, bring them back to the planet, and then say, you're the new rulers. Like, is bloodline really that important to them? Yeah. No. I don't. For being royalty of a home planet, that sure has hardly ever played into the season three storyline. Except for, you know, the the Hollywood stuff. I would have liked to mm-hmm. see more of that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have liked to learn more about their planet. We were kind of getting that with Tess. She was like our one, Tess and Nisato, they were like our one, like, thread to their previous lives. Mm-hmm. And it would have been interesting to, you know, come to a crossroads. Like, if we want to learn more about our previous lives, we have to do X, Y, and Z. And if we don't do that, we're missing it out completely. Like, I would have loved to have seen an emotional uh, tug of war almost of just like, well, am I my own person that I'm here on Earth or do am I obligated to do this stuff? Like, I think that would have been a really interesting plot point for, for these characters. Too bad. All right. Well, that is the end of Roswell season three, episode 15, who died and made you King. What is the next episode called? Next episode is Roswell season three, episode 16 crash. (laughs) <laughs> Megan just put her head down. <sighs> Another pod of aliens is going to crash on Earth. New aliens are coming. Uh, Michael's son. Michael's son is coming to find him. Max is. <laughs> I was so. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing so good this episode. <laughs> Oh, well. At least you're consistent. So rude to me personally. (laughs) 
Megan, you're a good sport. I appreciate you very much. Um, Let all right, my so people go. <laughs> Three more episodes. That's it. We're so close. All right. I think you're great. I appreciate you letting me make you view this. You you are the empress of sisters. Ah. Well, you better hope I don't die because then you'll have to do it. <laughs> wait. Wait. We have, we have questions sent in by a listener. We have questions sent in by a listener. Uh, okay. And the listener that's listening. But... Dilly just posted some questions in the Roswell episode chat. <gasps> let's let's talk about those. <laughs> I mean, Dilly will have to wait until the episode comes out to hear <laughs> us answer questions. Man, it's a good hear. thing that there are questions because we only recorded for 30 minutes on this episode because all we had to say was, I hated this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first question is actually for me, and it says, mm-hmm. Megan, how happy are you to be moving on from Roswell to another project soon? You know what? You know what? I thought we would be done with Roswell like six months ago. And it's it's not <laughs> Emily's fault that I've been slow on recording these. But I swear we have had four more episodes for like the last eight weeks. <laughs> I'm so excited because I really want to read Scholomance. And I'm very much looking forward to reading Scholomance. That'll be really fun. I'm really excited. Emily, next question is for you. Okay, next question is from Dilly. She says, how do you feel about Roswell as a whole? What about season by season? I know we just spent the last 30 minutes talking about how, what we would have changed about this episode. I will say I still love Roswell. It was an integral part of my teenagedom, and I made a lot of really good friends watching this and talking about it with people. I really enjoyed the time that I spent getting to explore the world and like going back and reading that old notebook where we're just like, what about this happened and this happened? And I think it really like opened up my ability to like make stories and to make connections and I I have never written Roswell fan fiction but I also want to like give a little shout out to Roswell for like I feel like it enabled me to write the fan fiction that I that I have written and that I've wanted to write because I love the idea of like what if this happened instead Uh, Which is kind of what we just talked about for the last Mm -hmm. 30 minutes about like, well, we think Isabel should have done this or or anything like that. And it gave me We think Isabel should have done literally anything except marry (laughs) Jesse. (laughs) And it gave me the freedom to look at a story and not feel so boxed in by what happened, but to go off on other paths, if that makes sense. So like, I'm really grateful for Roswell in my life. I know that's not how you feel, Megan, but that's... I'm grateful for this podcast in my life. (laughs) Season by season by season. Season one, okay. It was okay. Season two, my favorite season of television, I'm going to say. I love season two so much. So good. So wonderful. Season three has been disappointing in, like, watching it. (laughs) But it has been fun to look at it critically and talk and be like okay 
This sounds so... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Prideful. Uh-huh. But it's been really fun looking at something that went on television and say, I could do better than that. <laughs> like, it's I boosted my confidence. <laughs> so. All right. Next question is for me, Megan. Uh, this is from Dilly. Which of your cats is more well-behaved? Which one is funnier? Which one gets into the most trouble? Taco is my angel. Taco is the large, wise, careful cat. Kenobi is uh, hilarious. So (laughs) my cat Kenobi looks like he'd be the most graceful, elegant being you can imagine. But he has got the most golem, nervous energy. If he eats too fast, he vomits. <laughs> Sometimes he gets poop stuck to his butt and it freaks him out. So he just runs around the apartment until it falls off. <laughs> but the one who definitely gets into the most trouble is Livy because she's a troublemaker and she likes to fight. And she bothers uh, the other cats. And she bothers poor Kenobi with his delicate constitution. That's it. Those are my, those are my cats in a nutshell. They sound wonderful. They're all right. I'm so excited to see them in like four days. All piling into the car on Saturday. Yeesh. All right. Um, Dilly says, Emily, what is your favorite song to perform, singing or otherwise? Oh, this is so hard. I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't done group performances since high school. Well, college, I was in choir, but like. I used to really be into, I used to do piano and there was a Chopin piece that I really enjoyed performing because it was so technically difficult and now I can't think of the name, but it's like, and I'll find the name of it and I'll post it in here, but I used to be able to play that. And that was probably one of my favorite I remember waking up to you practicing that. Mm-hmm. Can you name the tune from what I just said? Uh, yeah, it's it's actually in one of the DreamWorks Madagascar movies. The circus. I will find it and I will post a link to a YouTube person playing it. Not me anymore. I can't play it anymore. But that was. Here's the thing, Emily. There's no way I would know the title because I literally never looked at that piano book. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I didn't know if like you. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Last question is for both of us. What's one of your favorite memories of your friends or family from high school? I have a lot of pretty good marching band memories. I think winning, um, we won like a first or second place trophy at a Vegas competition for marching band. And I just, the rush of jumping up and down and hugging everybody is probably one of my top favorite moments. I say mine, mine is very similar. We, uh, I was a sophomore. We went to an orchestra competition in Carmel, (laughs) California. What was that? I said, we're nerds. (laughs) We're nerds. And... I was in the intermediate orchestra and we had the intermediate orchestra there and the advanced orchestra and the intermediate orchestra played a song. The advanced orchestra played a song and then we performed a song together. Uh, Thomas, something by Thomas Tallis, a theme by Thomas Tallis. I will also put the link in the thing, but um, our intermediate, 
our song that we played for intermediate orchestra, we won third place, which Ooh. again, jump up and down, so excited. This is great. Woo! And then they announced the second place winner. And the second place school that had come to uh, perform took the trophy and waved it in our faces saying like, you only won third, we won second. I was like, well, that's kind of rude. But like, we were still really excited we won third. It was a really prestigious thing. And then they announced the first place, which was our combined song from the intermediate and the advanced. And so we won third and first. And it just felt so good to like run up and get the first place thing and be like, so that was, that was really fun. Yes. Dilly, thank you for sending in those questions. I hope you enjoy listening to them when you hear this (laughs) episode. (laughs) All right, friends, listeners, patrons, thank you again for listening. We're so glad you're here on this journey with us. We are going to have a good time. Getting ready to watch the next Roswell. Megan, you are so close to being done. You are almost done. I don't think that's true. I think Emily is going to reveal a secret fourth season of Roswell (laughs) that I don't know about. Oh my gosh. I I think I would have to pay you to watch a fourth season of Roswell. Patreons, right in. Pay us. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, you guys are all wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. I got to get back to writing my book. I'm going to go write more gay Star Wars. <gasps> I'm so excited to read it, and I know you can do it because guess why? Why? I believe in you. <gasps> I believe in you too. Ready? Ready? <laughs> Break. 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 Break, 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 break